Hey, what's happening there? This is Isai Rodriguez, host of the Daspination Nation podcast, where I cater to the professional working man, 40 and above, who's looking to make positive changes to his health, lose weight, and become stronger overall through simple lifestyle changes. I'm here to share inspiration, tips, and proven lessons that I've personally learned and lived through in my 40 plus years on this beautiful blue planet. So today we'll start the discussion off by talking about don't underestimate the power of a walk in our first segment. And then we'll move on to our second segment and talk about the five signs of overtraining you need to look out for. Before we get into that, if you'd like to join the conversation and take your health and wellness to the next level, then get on over to podcast.daspination.com slash VIP to enroll in our insiders community where I share more entertaining behind the scenes stories, tips, and hacks that'll keep you feeling younger each and every day. That's podcast.daspination.com slash VIP. Again, that's podcast.daspination.com slash VIP. Be in the know starting right now. Also, don't forget to rate me on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you're listening to this episode right now. And leave me a nice, fat, juicy five-star review and some absolutely beautiful words of why you love the show so much. It really helps me get the word out and it's honestly the one place where your vote truly matters. And now let's move into our first segment with Healthy Conversations. So in this week's installment of uh, Healthy Conversations, we're talking about the power of a walk. Or more precisely, we're talking about not underestimating the power of a walk. So first off, Walking is one of the simplest and most strategic things you can do for yourself and your health. Think about it. It takes little preparation, minimal effort, no special equipment, and it easily fits the exact amount of time you have available in your day. And according to the CDC, a single round of moderate to vigorous activity, including walking, Gotta throw that in there. Like they say that this can improve your sleep, your thinking, and your learning. And here's another one for you. They also say that it can reduce anxiety. And I can personally vouch for this last point. You know, when we go for a walk, we tend to perform better on tests of of memory and and attention. Our brain cells, like like they they build. <laughs> new connections, which helps you avoid the usual withering of uh, or dying away of brain tissue that comes with age. So as you know, as we get older, we lose brain tissue. You know that we all know that it's common knowledge, pretty much. And walking, it's it said that walking can help reverse or slow that down. You know, so we can actively change the pace of our thoughts by deliberately walking quicker or by slowing down. So like if there's something on your mind that you really need to think through, you know, try going out for a stroll, you know, while you think about it. This simple little action of taking a walk will let your attention zigzag, you know, from one thought to another. And this 
zigzagging, <laughs> like this bouncing around from thought to thought, that'll help you generate new lead, new ideas and to have strokes of brilliance, <laughs> you know, and insight, you know. So several years ago, there was a, a segment done uh, on the Today Show about uh, helping teens and children form healthy habits. And, and one of the most memorable parts of that specific show was when one of the kids said that walking made them feel sad. This kind of got me thinking, you know, putting myself in their shoes. Like if I had a choice between watching my favorite show, let's say, or, uh, you know, walking, <laughs> I don't know. I, it, it might make me sad too. I don't know. But when I think about the simplest and most strategic thing I'm able to do for myself, that's COVID safe, <laughs> that would be walking. And, and like I said earlier, when I think about what activity I can do almost every day with little preparation and, you know, very little effort or, or minimal effort, no special equipment, you know, like, and, you know, can basically fit the exact amount of free time that I have available. Again, it's walking. And when I consider what I can do for myself, even when my back pain is flaring up, it's walking, you know, when I want to do something that's good for my mind, my body, my soul, it's walking. When I want someone's company physically or socially distanced, of course, <laughs> or, or just want to be alone, walking just works out best. And, and if you're doing it outdoors, these great effects will quickly become compounded because they'll multiply on their own. In fact, it's been shown that you can improve your self-esteem and your mood with only five minutes of exposure to nature. So getting out there even for five minutes can help your mood. <laughs> this exposure to nature helps us switch from voluntary attention to involuntary attention. So we go from drawing on our reserves of focus and energy and, and we switch that to a less taxing, or should I say, we switch to something that requires less focus and, and energy. And by doing this, it allows us to recover from mental fatigue. I don't know about you, but my mind is always fatigued and tired. Oh, and did you know that the scientist Charles Darwin and the philosopher Aristotle were both obsessive walkers? It's true. <laughs> it was said that they both used the rhythm of walking to help them generate ideas. When I found that out, I was like, hmm, <laughs> I thought I was the only one that did that. No, but really, I thought it was interesting that we had that in common. But yeah, you know, walking is a proven creativity booster, as is any exercise, really. But walking in particular, uh, it's, it's proven. And let me also say this, as simple as walking seems on the surface, you know, I know it's not so simple for everyone. Some people have mobility challenges that make walking difficult or even uh, impossible, you know? Others may live in um, neighborhoods <laughs> that are not exactly safe for walking, if you know what I mean, like in the South Bronx where my family's from. And still, others may have experienced trauma that makes walking alone or outside feel threatening, like they may have been mugged or worse. Some of us have responsibilities at home that limit our independence, like, you know, aging parents or a couple of youngins <laughs> running around all the time. And some others may have weather conditions that make exposure uncomfortable or risky. 
So if you fall into one of these categories, or maybe even one that I missed, I've got to say, this is truly unfortunate, and I really hope you can find something that you use to quiet your anxiety, you know, keep your brain sharp and maintain physical well-being. And if you're in the community, then you're good. You're already receiving my daily tips and mic drops, if you will, that do exactly that. But if you're not in the community and you can walk, like you do have the ability to walk, then you already know that you can walk for exercise and for transportation. And on top of those benefits, let's go over five more reasons to do it. Because <laughs> again, we don't want to underestimate the power of a walk. So the first benefit is you walk for perspective. Hey, <laughs> these are difficult and trying times, no doubt. You know, the global pandemic has robbed so many of us of so much, and yet most of us can still find perspective in the struggle. On days when I need to find some perspective, I'll stroll while looking at the sun, the trees, or, you know, the water. In fact, I have a few close social media friends that I share this with, and I'll call them out on it too, you know? Like, I'll be, hey, I haven't seen you post anything outdoors lately. Everything's okay? Like, I'll check in with them because I know that, well, you know, for me, those views remind me to reflect on the expanse of the universe. Like, what's really out there to appreciate the beauty of nature and, and prompts me to consider how much world, <laughs> for lack of better terms, that there still is for me to explore, you know, when it's safe to do so, obviously. So if I notice one of my friends who generally shares things like that, if I see that they've stopped posting those nature walks, then, you know, that, that kind of concerns me. You know, I want to make sure <laughs> they're doing okay. But moving on to the second hidden benefit is walking for connection. Now, what does this mean? While you can walk alone, you, you really don't have to. And I would argue you shouldn't, you know, although I suppose you can connect with yourself. But these days, walking is one of the safer activities available to us. I actually have a friend who had a Sunday routine where, uh, you know, she walked with a friend of hers in another state. And now, despite being almost 600 miles apart, they still had their Sunday morning walks, you know, just over the phone. So they'd literally call each other up. I think they took turns, but they'd be on the phone and they'd walk for about an hour together. And they'd just talk and they'd be like, hey, I'm looking at such and such. Did you know this? I don't know. <laughs> I thought it was a great idea. So why not do the same, you know, invite a friend or family member to join you in person when it's doable, safe and responsible, and, and maybe over the phone when it isn't, you know, and just connect. And now the third benefit of walking is to walk for learning. This is a personal favorite of mine, you know, as, as much as I like to clear my mind, like I also love to fill it with new and useful information. I might walk while listening to a podcast like, you know, <laughs> like this one or, or an audiobook, or even the recording of a web class that I signed up for, but, you know, wasn't able to attend for whatever reason. I'm always buying training material for work that's in audio or uh, video format. And these walks, like they're great for absorbing that information. Or, you know, I might simply take some pictures with my phone of a tree or an animal I can't identify at that moment, which I've got to say that for this native New Yorker here happens to be most trees and animals. But when I get home, I look them up 
<laughs> it's kind of fun, actually. I, I highly suggest you give it a try, too. And so moving on to the fourth benefit is walking for gratitude. So as someone who's experienced both uh, chronic and acute neck and back pain, I often walk with a focus on how lucky I feel to be able to walk and the relief of being pain free at that moment or, you know, that I have a clean hot shower waiting for me at the end of the walk. Or better yet, I might even focus on the gift of being alive, you know, when so many others have died from COVID. Just be grateful. Take that 10, 15, 20 minutes, however long your walk is, and be grateful for the beautiful things that you have in your life at that moment. And the fifth and final benefit of walking is walking for productivity. So sometimes I'll arrange a walk and then, you know, I'll talk while I'm on a Zoom coaching call or team call. You know, we all have them 15, 30, 60 minute or however many minute Zoom calls where we don't exactly have to participate in the conversation. Well, if you plan it out ahead, you can take advantage of these calls and take a walk. So you're still being productive and getting in your exercise, opening up your mind, getting fresh air into your brain. It's a great thing. And you're participating in your Zoom call or at least absorbing some of that knowledge or whatever it is they're sharing on those calls. I'm also productive when I walk and sometimes I'll dictate brainstorming ideas or even a new article or blog post idea into my phone's voice recorder. And then when I get home, I have something I can cross off my to-do list in addition to that day's walking. Win-win, baby. You know me and efficiency. That's, I mean, it's what I'm all about. <laughs> and listen, sometimes you just have to let go of your goals for that day and let the walk's purpose reveal itself to you. This happens most often when you're walking your dog and the dog just kind of wants to do its own thing, you know, <laughs> like maybe wants to chase after a squirrel or it sees a, you know, cat. Sometimes you've just got to go with the flow. So here's the bottom line. Walk when you can, where you can. That's basically it. Your body, mind, and your soul will thank you for it, period. I guarantee you that. And so the more you know, the better you'll be. And now with all that said and done, let's switch gears and move on to our second segment with Mighty Man. Oh yeah, baby. So what are we talking about in this week's installment of Mighty Man? Hmm. It's, I think it's a good one because I've actually very recently found myself overtraining, <laughs> you know? And, uh, and, and that's what we're talking about here. We're talking about the five signs of overtraining that you need to look out for. So let's face it, you know, the fitness industry has long led us to believe that more is more, that more is better, <laughs> that you've got to show up or go home. And this can be true for the most part, but not always. This attitude towards the gym and working out means that if you're looking to get stronger, you might think that committing to two-a-day workouts is the fastest and easiest way to do it. But again, that's not always the case. I mean, it is possible to go too hard, which can backfire. And if it backfires, you'll most likely find yourself not making any strength gains. And it's important to keep an eye on signs of overtraining for the sake of your overall health. So 
Overtraining happens when you exceed or go way beyond your body's ability to recover from strenuous exercise. It happens when you don't give your body enough time to rest and repair itself. This is critical for serious gains. Like if you're seriously looking to lose weight, if you're seriously looking to bulk up, if you're seriously looking to shred that fat, then you seriously, you seriously need to look out for this overtraining. Because if you don't give your body the right amount of time to restore and uh, rebuild itself, this will most likely cause your performance to significantly decline in and out of the gym respectively. So <laughs> let's talk about why pushing your body past its limits is not a good idea. And, uh, and you know, more importantly, the signs of overtraining that are worth keeping a watchful eye open for us because, you know, you have to know what you're looking for in order to avoid them. So first off, why is overtraining a bad thing? Well, <laughs> in the simplest terms, the most simplest terms I can come up with, Overtraining means that you're working too hard, too often, and too long without giving your body the proper rest it needs to recover, period. And not to get too technical here, but overtraining, quote unquote, is a physiological state caused by the imbalance of the amount that you're working out compared to the amount of rest. So think of like those scales where you have, that's almost like a T, uh, the, what, I, I, I guess they call it a T scale where it has like two plates held by chains to this cantilever <laughs> you know if you put uh if you put the amount of rest on one plate and then the amount of working out uh, on the other plate are they balanced like think about that or or is it going to tip over into one direction you know again your body needs a certain amount of time to rest and recuperate itself you know this is even more important when you're actively training and so Training too much can almost feel like a workout hangover, if you will. It can include symptoms such as uh, lack of energy and motivation, you know? I don't know if you've ever experienced that, you know? But uh, when you work out, uh, let's say that tiny micro tears happen in your muscles. And it's the recovery of those micro tears that ultimately helps you get stronger. When you don't give your muscles the right amount of time to repair themselves, it can lead to issues. Simply put, rest and recovery is super important to improve your strength and stamina because again, it allows your body to repair damaged muscle tissue. So not allowing time will basically have the opposite effect. And so you might actually find yourself making negative gains. And if you're going for proper conditioning, well, this kind of requires a balance between overload and recovery. Again, think of that counterbalance scale, the T scale, think of that. Is it tipping over to one side or the other? Hopefully it's nice and balanced. So pro athletes and fitness beginners alike, they both, they can easily fall into the trap of pushing their body past its threshold. This is not something that's just for pro athletes. This is not just something for fitness beginners. This is not just for some, you know, intermediates. This overtraining, we all have to keep an eye out for it. And I mean, it's common that athletes who train for a specific event or competition, like they tend to exercise beyond their body's ability to recover. That's kind of normal because you're training, training, training because you want to be in tip top shape for 
this event or competition, you know, but you have to remember that you need to throw in that rest in there. Continuous training can surprisingly weaken the strongest athletes, but you don't have to be training excessive, uh, excessively to feel the effects of overtraining. Even for newbies, like I said, overtraining tends to happen when you try to do too much too soon. One of the biggest mistakes for beginners is that after months or years without training, they try to make up for lost time. They try to get results too quickly. They pack everything into their first two weeks, <laughs> you know? They're going all out and giving it everything they have, no days off, you know, seven days a week, <laughs> two, three times a day, whatever. And this can set the stage for overuse injuries and needless to say, delayed progress <laughs> and not to mention quitting altogether. You know, it can lead to prolonged fatigue, you know, unusual muscle soreness and even a, a drop in performance. So moving along here, because I don't like to dwell too much on the negative, but it needs to be said, you need to know, <laughs> but we'll keep moving along here. What are the signs of overtraining? Well, I've kind of mentioned the first sign already and it's lack of of improved performance. So if you're working out nonstop, if you're working out nonstop, right? And, and you're finding that, that you aren't getting any stronger, then it's a good chance that you're overtraining, you know? Like you can definitely blame overtraining for that. In fact, the telltale sign of overtraining is a lack of improved performance, <laughs> you know? So no matter what your work ethic or training intensity is, decreased strength and decreased agility and decreased endurance these are all common signs of overtraining and this can make effortless workouts feel unusually difficult <laughs> you know so if you're used if you're if you're used to powering through 10 push-ups with no problem no you know no issues no sweat and all of a sudden you're not able to do a single one in perfect form take that as a sign that it's time for a day off if you get to that point, be happy that you've been working as, as hard as you've been. Like you've been working hard as, f you know what I mean? <laughs> AF, but also be smart about it, you know, and realize that you need to take a day off. <laughs> Do it. You earned it. The second warning sign of overtraining is aches and pains. <laughs> I saw I saw a few of your ears out there perk up. One of the first signs that you've overtrained includes muscle soreness, including a feeling of uh, heaviness in your body, even when you're doing light activities. Now, this is different than your usual second day soreness. You know, that, that feeling of, dang, I hit the weights hard yesterday. Like, you know that you've been in the gym. Your body is telling you at every turn, every every time you get up, you sit down and it hurts. You go to the bathroom and it hurts, <laughs> you know? Like, your body is telling you, man, I, I, I lifted some weights yesterday. No, that, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about that ache or pain that sticks around and makes it more challenging than normal to move throughout your day, you know? Not only do they slow you down in normal life, but they also make it more difficult to do your workouts properly and with good form. <laughs> and as I've mentioned before, not using the right form will raise your risk of injury. 
I'm all for discipline and follow through, you know, but when you're barely making it through your workout and your form starts to slide, (laughs) you know, your body is telling you to slow down. It's telling you to be easy, my man. Take a day off. So do it. The third sign to look out for is mood swings. Well, (laughs) exercise is known to trigger a spike of the stress hormone cortisol in your body. Like it's known like this is proven. It's scientific. And when you don't allow time for your cortisol levels to level out, it can have an impact on your mood, period. You know, overtraining can significantly affect your stress hormones and even your sex drive. Oh, (laughs) I saw a couple of you out there perk up again. And this will lead to all sorts of mood swings and irritability. You may feel anxious. You might feel depressed. You might be not able to focus. And guess what? Taking a day off or at the very least treating your body to a lower impact cortisol conscious workout can help restore that balance. So if you find yourself being moody, maybe you need to take tomorrow off. But don't bite my head off for that. I'm just a messenger. (laughs) The fourth signal to look out for is elevated blood pressure and resting heart rate. So moderate exercise is always celebrated for its ability to lower your resting heart rate, but getting too much of it can actually backfire. So according to a 2016 study, uh, one of the side effects of overtraining is an elevation in both your uh, blood pressure and your resting heart rate. So a normal, quote unquote, normal, you know, a, a normal resting heart rate can fall anywhere between 60 and 100 beats per minute. So it's important to stay in tune with what normal looks like for you. I mean, you have to be aware of what that normal is for you because everybody's different. Everybody's uh, body, for lack of better terms, is different. And, you know, you need to know what that normal is for you. Where does that number fall? And you need to be aware of it. And more importantly, be aware of any changes to that normal. Is it low? Is it high? Keep an eye on it. A a good smartwatch that tracks your BPM works great. But if you want to take it to the next level, then you might want to get yourself an actual blood pressure monitor. Actually, I've gotten some great feedback from community followers that bought monitors based on uh, my recommendations and they are loving it. That's, (laughs) you know, so that's that's awesome. I love to hear news like that. It's always great to hear how people are leading a better life because of the community. And honestly, that that's why I do it. But moving on to the fifth and final warning sign is changes in energy and sleep patterns. So overtraining comes with this uh, catch 22 of making you feel more exhausted than usual, you know, while also making it harder to sleep. And there was a study from 2018 that showed how sleep quality and uh, quantity declined as a result of an increased training load. It also talked about how poor sleep was a common complaint among overtrained athletes. So if you notice any changes in your energy levels or more importantly, your sleep patterns, then I think it's a good time for you to take a day off from the gym. 
And again, you need to keep an eye on that normal, like what's normal for you. And going back to that train of thought there where, you know, you know your body best, you know, you need to notice if there's any changes in your energy levels. And and again, your sleep patterns, that's a little bit more important because that resting portion of your day, that's when your body recovers. That's when your body repairs itself. And now let's talk about the prevention of overtraining. Like seriously, how do you control and prevent overtraining from even happening? Because if that's the enemy, then how do we keep an eye on the enemy and stay one step ahead of it? (laughs) You know, well, uh, luckily for you, I've got these three tips here for avoiding or preventing overtraining. Uh, And the first tip is this one should be no surprise, (laughs) rest. (laughs) The most important thing you can do to prevent these signs of overtraining is to rest and recover. I want you to say that with me, rest and recover. Most important thing. So when we place this stress on the body, especially with higher intensity exercise, what we do, we're creating physical damage uh, 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 or, you know, these small tears in the muscle fiber and periodic rest is super important so that the body can heal these tears. That's when we gain our strength because it you tear it down, you tear down the muscle, and then as it rebuilds, it rebuilds stronger because it has to. There's no other way. It's not going to build up to the same point it was for what? So that it could break down again? No, your body knows, no, I need to build up stronger so that the next time it won't tear. That's when you up the load. But that's another story for another, you know, that's another topic for another uh, discussion. But the bottom line is that the actual healing happens during recovery or, you know, these rest periods. And of course, rest, quote unquote, doesn't necessarily have to mean that, you know, you're lying on the couch and doing nothing. Although, you know, I suppose it can, you know, it it absolutely can. But what's better is if you keep moving on your dedicated rest days, like choose a lower impact activity, like a light walk or a stretch class or something like that. We talked about this earlier on in the episode, you know, don't underestimate, do not, do not, do not underestimate the walk. You know, and as far as taking a stretch class, I think we all know where I stand on that and yoga and, and, you know, just really using that to stretch your body out and work those muscles, like, like really lengthen your muscles so that when you're in the gym and you are working out, you can get that good workout in. The second overtraining avoiding tactic (laughs) is set attainable goals. So instead of following along with the trendiest new Instagram workout, which may or may not work for your specific body, you need to set actual attainable goals that work for you. Develop a training program that works for you and your current level of uh, fitness and your goals, you know, set those goals uh, that progressively increase with time. If you're not a runner, it isn't realistic to aim for running 10 miles a day by next week, you know, but slowly adding minutes to your run over the course of a month is much more measurable and safer overall. And if you're having trouble putting together a training program, then get some help from your friendly neighborhood personal trainer. You know, or you can enroll in the community where I always share different types of workouts complete with PDF printouts and things like that. But either way, get yourself a training program that works for you and set those attainable goals. That's it. 
The third tip to not overtraining your body is listen to your body. I know it may sound simple, but if your body is telling you to take a day off, listen to it. If you're weak or sore, you know, give your body the time to rest and recover because it needs it. And you know what? A fourth tip just came to mind at this very moment, mind blown. And it's this, take a look at what you're eating because here's the deal. Diet and exercise go hand in hand. And it's important to give your body the fuel it needs to get through your workouts. So you need to identify nutritional uh, deficiencies in your diet in order to do this, in order to get through your workouts. Because ultimately, refueling the body with a good mix of proteins and carbs should be a priority right after each workout. This is super important to your body and to making the right gains. And if you keep all of these points, these tips, if you keep them in mind, you'll be on your way to kissing that overtraining pain and aches goodbye forever. And so with all that said and done, that's it, you guys. That's my show for today. I hope you found some valuable information here. And if nothing else, I hope I've entertained you for a few minutes and was able to bring you a little manly sunshine to your day. Thanks for taking some time out of your day to listen to me. It's very much appreciated. On next week's episode, we'll be talking about are you resting these seven key areas of your life? So fellas, who's feeling tired? If that's you, then you'll want to tune into next week's episode to find out these seven key areas of rest in your life. And if you loved what you heard in today's episode and want more advanced advice that goes way beyond what you've learned today, then you, my friend, need to be in the conversation with me and the rest of the community by heading on over to podcast.daspination.com VIP to enroll in our insiders community where I share exclusive raw behind the scenes stories, tips, and hacks that'll keep you feeling younger and younger each and every day. That's podcast.daspination.com daspination.com slash VIP. Again, that's podcast.daspination.com slash VIP. Be in the know starting right now. Also, don't forget to rate me on Apple Podcasts wherever it is that you're listening to this episode right now. And leave me a nice, fat, juicy five-star review and some absolutely beautiful words of why you love the show so much. It really helps me get the word out and it's honestly the one place where your vote truly matters. Until our next chat, take care now and bye. Oh, <laughs>